What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Lawrence Huddle with me, Bram, with me, per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? And joining us after a little break, I guess not that long, my boy and producer, MT. What's up, Dev Nation? And then after far too long of a break, a good month, I was just looking this rejoining the huddle, the former Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, who covered the rise of a dynasty, a high-profile sports author who's contributed to more media outlets that you can include in a podcast intro, including Fox Sports Radio, Spectrum, Sportsnet Television, and Sports Kita, a graffiti artist whose presence at Wedding Table 9 made it historic, and the only beat writer in the history of the NBA to take two, two, Voluntary charges from Ron Artest, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Oh, I am ecstatic about your intro, but we left a key detail out. What about the uh, all-defensive effort against Nick Young? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was already like a 25-minute intro there, Mark. I'm not sure if I could add anything else in there, although I will say this. So for those who didn't join us during Mark's last appearance here, what we learned is that while he was covering the uh, the Lakers and while Meta World Peace was still there, I guess Mark demonstrated what it means to take a charge from Meta World Peace. And that came back in my mind because I just saw this video, Mark. Uh, this is Steven Jackson in an old interview with Rich Eisen describing his and Meta World Peace's experience in the Malice in the Palace, the uh, the huge brawl in Detroit years back. Let's go ahead and hear a little bit of it. The conversation at the free throw line. I'm not knowing Ron is thinking about returning a foul to Ben from last year's playoffs. If I would have known that, I would have stopped him. We all know Ron wasn't in his right mind. Mm-hmm. He, did, he didn't need a battery <laughs> in his back to do something stupid. He did that on, he did that on his own. And we're up 45 points. We're, we're like 16 to 4 at the time, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. We had the best record in the league. And uh, he go fouls Ben. I'm guarding Ben. I let him score. Clock, let the clock run out. He comes from out of nowhere and take Ben out the air. This is what people don't know. A couple of days before that, I think Ben had just lost his mom. 
So he can't. He wasn't even supposed to play that game. He showed up at the game. So I know he wasn't in his right mind. I mean, losing my, if I lose my mom, I'll probably be you no know, telling what I'll be the next couple of days. But he fouled him, and Ben didn't expect it. Next thing you know, Ben run up to Ron and push his head out to the parking lot. Ben pushed him so hard, like I I didn't think Ron was gonna be alive. And and by that time, we're just trying to calm Ron down because we're trying to get out of there. We won the game. Let's get out of here, get this win. And to Ron's credit, we never seen Ron calm down or relax like that. So he did it. And as soon as he calmed down, a beer came and hit him dead in the face. He took Ben Wallace throwing all kind of stuff at him. He took people saying stuff to him. But when the beer came down his face, he just lost it. The funniest part about it is going to make all y'all laugh. We get in the locker room. And we sitting there, my legs all scratched up from hopping over the bleachers. Ron sitting there calming down. His first question to me, mm-hmm. do you think we're going to get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what we just learned there, I call it a middle world piece. They're referring to him as Ron Artest there. We learned, one, that Ron Artest held on to a grudge for a full year. Two, was willing to fight more than 19,000 people without a moment's uh, hesitation. And then finally, three, after it happened, Thought it was such a small deal that he fought those 19,000 people. Wasn't really sure if there would be any repercussion. Thought maybe he would be fucking fine. Which goes to this question. Mark, what the hell are you doing taking charges from this gentleman, dude? Like, did you think of any of this stuff before you voluntarily went onto that practice floor? Well, I don't, I think voluntarily is a strong word. There was a writer that nominated me to uh, demonstrate what Ron and Meta are talking about. And then uh, Meta takes my video camera because i would shoot you know uh interviews with video and he handed the video camera to sam amick uh who's now at the athletic to shoot so i i i didn't volunteer for it but once i was thrown upon this role i didn't back down either but i will say as i said in the last podcast all the thoughts flooded through my mind when he was charging me not only the play-by-play history that stephen jackson was outlining but what um he had done the season before to James Harden in the 2011-12 season when he made a layup and then elbowed him, hit him right in the neck, uh, face area, and he got a concussion. And I thought, man, this is really how I'm going to go out, taking a ch- charge from runner test. But you know what? Video evidence shows. I showed it with you guys afterwards. That's real. I stood up and said, do it again, as if I'm Will Ferrell in old school funneling beer. <laughs> no, I, look, if you had told me that story without the video evidence, I would have thought it as, as fake as the background that you have on your video right now. But no, dude, you <laughs> saw it, Dan. So the shit played out. Boys, we have all types of all-star content to talk about today, stuff I'm actually really excited to cover. But before we get there, let's at least do a little Warriors uh, background here. And Mark, let's start where we always do the glass half full. So look back at recent Warriors basketball. And the thing that I'm really excited for is that we haven't had a chance to talk to you since Draymond came back and since the season kind of straightened itself out a little bit. So you don't have to focus just on these last few games. Um, looking at the Warriors right before this All-Star break, they're they're getting ready to play Utah again tonight. What are your thoughts, man? And you know what? How do you feel about Golden State's chances now? Yeah, half glass full is that Draymond Green is back, and he has been able so far, and I knock on wood, but so far able to be the Draymond Green that makes the Warriors love him, makes opponents hate him without crossing the line. And maybe, I think from my point of view, 
that shouldn't be asking much when he got suspended, you know, twice this season. I think some of the commentary then came back to the gray area about we don't want to restrain Draymond's emotions because that what makes him so great. But I always saw at the time, no, all we're asking is Draymond, don't put someone in a chokehold and don't punch someone in the face and you'll be fine. And he has shown that he can still be the Draymond Green of old while not doing those things. And I think on top of that, he has restrained himself a little bit with the technical fouls and arguing with the refs. I think inevitably it'll come back to that. But he has, uh, I think, shown in his mind that he can do all the things that he wants to do. Just don't cross the obvious red lines that draw you suspension. So that's glass half full because Draymond's going to be available. He's going to elevate the defense. And when he's available, the Warriors win a lot of games. They have glass empty. Well, the Warriors find a way still to squander close games. You know, this was the sixth time, I think, the with this latest loss to the Clippers that they squandered a lead after having uh, a lead for at least 15 or more points. And usually average or bad teams do that. And the Warriors are trying to show that they're not average. So still work in progress, but there are a lot of good things heading in the right direction. Last night's loss really frustrated me. I'll save that for a moment. Uh, MT, we haven't heard from you for a little while. What do you got here? Um, <clears throat> glass half full, I'll go GP2 being healthy. Um, he doesn't fill up the stat sheet, but his energy and just kind of his impact on the game is just undeniable. And it's, it's just refreshing to see him come back. I don't think it's coincidental that he's back and we're starting to play better. Um, and then glass half empty, it'll just be um, Steve Kerr's rotations again. It's just frustrating. Um, you know, we ha had a good run and Sarge didn't play as many minutes as he was at the beginning of the season. And, um, he just went back to him and didn't play trace um, any of those minutes. So it's, it's just frustrating. You know, I know Steve knows more about the team and being a head coach than I do, but you know, from, from the fans point of view, it's just, it's hard to justify not giving trace Jackson Davis some minutes, especially when we're going up against Zubach and Plumlee and could use that size. So um, <clears throat> hopefully once Chris Paul comes back, we won't have that same problem where we have um, strength in numbers is a detriment where we have too many people and, and Steve Kerr doesn't know how to manage it. I am going to go against character type. I'm going glass all full. Look, I was hella frustrated last night. I understand it. Shitburger loss, yet another shitburger loss. But the Warriors right now are turning things around. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And if they win again tonight in Utah, they will have won seven of nine. So I can forgive what happened against the Clippers last night. Let me capitalize on what Mark said. Draymond, man. So look, um, we've praised Draymond's three-point shooting this year. Uh, we've praised how he's unlocked JK and Wiggins being able to play with one another. Let me praise his mental poise. He's had three tests since he came back. All of us have been worried about what's going to happen. Is he going to get thrown out? Will he get sucked down a rabbit hole? He's had three opportunities to lose his shit. Nicholas Claxton grabbed pods, threw him to the ground like a sociopath, and Draymond went over but didn't lose it. We saw Nurkic go out of his way to start a mental war with Draymond. And who came out on top? Draymond did. He, he gave a, an eight-minute soliloquy on who he called the, the little man on his podcast, basically making fun of how Nurkic lost his shit. And then again, last night, we saw it for a third time when Mason Plumlee lost all composure from what I could tell. 
hit Podzemski three times. The the composure was left off the floor. People were kind of losing it a little bit. And who didn't? Draymond Green. So if we were going to go into this, him coming back from the suspension and be all worried about how is he going to handle it? Well, he's had three opportunities to go way off the handle and didn't come close. Um, and I'll, I'll give you this weirdo analogy as a compliment to Draymond. I hate fucking puzzles. I hate doing them. I've always hated doing them. Every now and again, my wife will decide it's a good idea to do as a family. And so we've been doing this puzzle that I know to be a tiger, but I don't actually, I don't see the goddamn tiger in the puzzle we're putting together. It's just the picture on the box. So I know that's what we're doing. Last night, we put together uh, a section of the puzzle. We put this one piece in. Suddenly, you could see the eye of the tiger. And now, even though the entire picture wasn't complete, I could see what we were doing. When Draymond came back to this team, when we added his piece to this puzzle, it's not complete. You know, they still have some work to do. But can I see what this team is supposed to be? Absolutely. And we haven't had that this entire year. So here he is, boys. Um, and as a random aside, I fucked around with a Tetris analogy for like 30 minutes. I had one that I was going to try to really like hammer home here for Draymond. And then thank God for that puzzle piece because the Tetris analogy never made sense. So we got there here. Uh, Maxime, where are you at? Well, first of all, where I'm at is I just have Eye of the Tiger stuck in my head now. I don't know if I'm, I'm the only one, uh, but yeah, it's, it's blaring. Um, uh, a couple of things. One, Mark also just reminded me uh, Slater's recap of the game ended with a quote from Curry calling the team average too. So not ideal when the star player is calling the squad average, but my glass half empty is maybe more on, on a broader scale, which is I'm sure you all saw the report that even all the way up to the ownership level, conversations were had with the Los Angeles Lakers um, to look into bringing LeBron James onto the Golden State Warriors squad. And obviously the trade deadline has come and gone. LeBron is still a Laker for now, but as we've learned in this league where there's smoke, there's probably fire. And so my glass half empty is... How are we going to continue to have Mark on the podcast when we're now supposed to be LeBron fans and he's a known LeBron mural defacer? It's a it's a big conundrum for me personally, and it's it's not one I think that we're going to be able to rectify easily. Uh, I mean, very, very solid concern. I mean, Mark won't even admit to the defacing of the mural, so we, we won't even admit hands, like, the clean hands. The bottom of it at all, but I, it is the perfect transition because I wasn't going to bring that up. So Wojciechowski dropped this bomb earlier this week that the Warriors not only explored the possibility of adding LeBron, but they got so far down that rabbit hole that the owners spoke to one another and and you know explored it. And so that obviously the deal didn't get done. We're on the other side of the trade deadline. But also, LeBron is set to be a free agent if he wants to be this offseason. So the LeBron to the Warriors story is definitely not over. All right? Um, so let's start just conceptually. Are you guys interested in having LeBron here? We, we talked about this with Bonte a little while back. You know, that I've seen this punch coming. Just abstractly, without actually talking about who they'd have to give up, are you interested in the idea of LeBron to Golden State? Well, first of all, I got to defend myself that uh, I have always pleaded not guilty. The evidence shows I'm not guilty. I don't know what else I need to do. Uh, but as far as LeBron James with the Warriors, conceptually, it's a good idea under the guise that the Warriors should always be turning over every stone and knowing that LeBron James is one of the best players in the NBA. When, but then when it comes down to 
the necessary gritty details. I think that they should walk away from it because inevitably the Lakers are going to want to get a lot of things in return. And I can't help but think that for the Lakers to pull that sort of deal, they would be asking for basically everyone except for – they would love Steph Curry, but as far as you know, realistic players that are available, it would feel like it would be every player outside of Steph and draft picks, and I don't think that's worth it. I think it's also telling that for whatever frustrations LeBron James has, and we don't quite know the level of it because he's never explained – the hourglass emoji, I thought it was telling in and of itself that despite his respect for the Warriors, despite the fact that he has said that he would love philosophically to play with Steph Curry, the immediate answer was no. And so I think that there's a lot to be said on why he hasn't said why or what he's going to do with his player option. But I think philosophically he's doing that to keep all options on the table and knowing there's so much fluidity in terms of how the Lakers play, how he plays, how his body holds up, what's Brawny's prospects going to be, or is he going to come back to USC? I think with all those moving parts, I feel like the inevitable uh, end point is he's just going to re-sign with the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. But it will make for interesting content, and I am in the content business, so I'm rooting for that. <laughs> I have no problem. I mean, just like as a rabid Warriors fan, I have no problem with LeBron joining the team. I know that some people are just the concept of it um, is repulsive. That's not true for me. We've already have Chris Paul here. Who gives a shit? If he could help this win, I'm on board for it. The thing that I'm not a big fan on is the possible impact on JK. I mean, Kaminga has genuinely come into his own this season. It is one of the biggest reasons why the Warriors have kind of figured it out. And even if they didn't have to include Kaminga in a trade, which I'm sure they would, I I think you're right, Mark. I think they'll ask for the world in exchange. Even if we somehow kept JK here, if you give LeBron the kind of minutes and the kind of finishing I'm sure that he's going to want, that's going to come at Kaminga's development. I mean, there's no question there. And so I don't think I'm willing to make that move. I, I want to see how high Kaminga's upside can go. And if you bring in LeBron, I don't know if we'll ever see it. I, th- I think that it'll, it'll be its own artificial ceiling. So there's a, a few things going on here. Joe Lakeup in that same interview said that it's really important for the Warriors to get under the tax, the luxury tax, right? So they're $88 million above the luxury tax, $23 above the second apron. So if you're adding a LeBron salary, I don't know, how, like something has to give. You can't bring back all the players and and get under the luxury tax. Um, so some, something has to give there. Even if Clay comes back on a super team-friendly deal, you have to give up Wiggins. You have to give up a bunch of stuff. But I, LeBron still makes players better, I think. So, I, I, you know, a starting lineup of Steph, Clay. LeBron, Kaminga, and Draymond. I don't think JK's growth s- stops because of that. Um, but, you know, LeBron is 40. Uh, he, he's beaten Father Time all this time, but at some point it's going to catch up with him. So I think Mark's point of where does Bronny go is the biggest indicator of what, what he's going to do. So if he declares and where, whatever team he goes to, I can see LeBron making a move just to play with his son one more year and then hanging it up. 
You don't think LeBron's, I mean, his, his principal addition here would be slashing to the hoop and then distributing, you know, I mean, and I understand Kaminga's not a distributor, but he is a slasher. You don't think that they would occupy the same place offensively on the floor? And that wouldn't, it wouldn't hold back what Kaminga could do? Could, but LeBron's shot the most three-pointers he has in his career this season. So, <clears throat> you know, I think he can adapt his game. Um, no, I think I, they I, figured out. I don't think, I don't think adding somebody as good as LeBron is where, wherever you fall on this, on this, you know, the argument of is if is he's on the Mount Rushmore, um, you know, like he's a good enough player that I think he can figure it out. Mark, weigh in here um, because I think this analysis has shifted a little bit, right? We we can look at a lot. Look at LeBron's career throughout. It's filled with superlatives. You know what? It's not filled with players he's developed. Um, that's not who he is. When he went back to Cleveland, for example, first thing he did was told Wiggins, fuck yourself. We're going with Kevin Love because you are not <laughs> going to come here and, and develop. This is not going to happen. Um, and in the past, of course you make that. He's LeBron James. Now that's shifted a little bit. He's still, he's beating father time, but he's not who he was 10 years ago. He's not who he was five years ago. So one, do you think he would impact Kaminga? You know, the, the disagreement MT and I are having. And then two, would it be worth it? If if it does, would you still make the move? Right. Um, basically, the hypothetical that Joe Lakeup catches the Lakers brass, not completely sober, and they say, hey, we'll, we'll do this without Kaminga, right? Um, I think that MT is on to something as far as how he is with his patience level with young players. Even though tactically, X's and O's, he makes the right play. He can help develop players just by his sheer presence of double teams. He makes the right pass. He's a, a by-example player with his work habits. Those things are good. But uh, to your point, he doesn't have patience with young players' mistakes. But I think the one thing that could play in Kaminga's advantage is that he's not someone that has to be a playmaker or a ball in his hand. There's historically been more friction overlap when LeBron's presence is conflicted with another ball dominant player that needs to have the ball in their hands because they're a point guard or someone that yeah. oversees the offense. And that's not Kaminga. But at the same time, the the best teammate, uh, not from a talent standpoint, but from a positional needs standpoint, historically, the best kind of LeBron teammate is a player that is a really good three-point shooter and is a perimeter wing player. And, you know, obviously Kaminga's skill set's completely different. So I think when you weigh all that, it would be a net positive because being with LeBron James will help, but it's inevitable. You're going to get fewer touches, looks, et cetera. And so from that lens, yeah, his development wouldn't be the same as it was if he didn't play with LeBron. Maxine, Mark did way too professional of a job there. It sounds like he kind of <laughs> supported both of us, and I don't like that Hence, at all. Will you acquitted from the yeah. uh, erroneous yeah, not at all. When, when you can, go back, work your magic, and have him just support me. If you could just like use the sounds and have him just be like, Bram is right, whatever. Whatever you want to do would be great, boys. To a brand new segment, and the one I've been looking forward to, its title is Pointless But Fun. It's a new segment where we're gonna to try to predict All-Star Saturday. And the title itself came from my wife. I told uh, Erica that the All-Star weekend was this Saturday. And she goes, oh, I always look forward to that. It's pointless, but fun. And I realized she is right, yeah. So we're gonna go through the various Saturday night activities and drop some predictions. But let me start generally. Um, 
Maxim, do you look forward to the All-Star game? Like, this is coming up. Is it a big deal for you? Did you even know it was, like, is it on the calendar every year? Is it just kind of a sidelight? Like, how how does this hit your family? Nah, I, I mean, I'm excited that it's going to be in San Francisco next year. You know, that's going to change things. And, and I think that draws an important distinction. There's this thing where if it's an opportunity to see all the great players in one place. But the problem for me is, it kind of lost its luster, right? For for many reasons, the dunk contest is not populated by the best dunkers in the league. The skills contest is kind of a joke. The all-star game itself ought to be really exciting, but as it turns out, team basketball is more important than that would portend. And, and at the same time, these players aren't really willing to put themselves out there, especially on the defensive end, to do anything because that might actually injure them for the stuff that really does matter because this is pointless. So if I could see them in person, if there is this sort of like opportunity to to hang out with the players proverbially by being in the same building, it's exciting. But I think the All-Star game made a lot more sense when we didn't have league pass, when we didn't have 24-7 news cycles, where we're constantly seeing every player that we want. We can pull up highlights from their last game. It's so easy. It kind of makes, it cheapens the All-Star game. So I'm not particularly excited about it. You know, it's it's on my calendar just because with fantasy basketball, it's this weird two-week one where the middle is broken up and you get an extra... Um, acquisition over the course of the week, but it kind of doesn't make a dent in my life. I look forward to it, but I don't care about the game. I mean, we're not even going to be predicting what's happening on Sunday. You know, I like competition, but I don't like competition where the competition doesn't matter. You know, and like for the skills contest, the three-point contest, the dunk contest, they want to win. You know, I mean, at least it it kind of matters there. Through 90% of Sunday's game, no one really gives a shit. Uh, and so they've kind of lost me on that. And you know who agrees with me, at least I think, is the NBA. The NBA is forcing two changes this year to get our attention. Um, and one I didn't know about until doing a little bit of research for this podcast. They are adding an LED floor for the actual game. Um, and so here's a description. Quote, the NBA has chosen Lucas Oil Stadium to unveil its glowing new LED court. Resembling a giant TV screen on the floor, it can instantly switch from looking like the classic wooden court to exploding stars to a specialty three-point court to visual surprises the league hasn't yet revealed. Developed by ASB Glass Floor, the digitized court can add embellishments like tracking players' movements with trails of stars showing statistics and animating key floors. So they're going to be playing on a giant screen, basically. You know, like the uh, the sphere in Vegas, but that's going to be the court itself. Uh, cool idea, but I don't know if somebody came to me and said, all right, uh, Monday when you are working, your desk is going to start glowing for no reason at all. And there's going to be like digitized stars and shit and, and weird ass colors. I'm not going to do my job super well. You know, like I, I like the idea of them adding these embellishments, but maybe do it the way that the NFL does with Nickelodeon when they televise their games. You know, like during the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey didn't see fucking SpongeBob on the on the, you know the sidelines. But if my kids wanted to, they could turn on TV and watch it via Nickelodeon. If they want to do this crazy ass court, maybe just do it on the TV as opposed to in person. But you know, I don't know. Am I being stuffy with this take? I don't like this idea at all. This, as you're uh, detailing the elements of the court, I was thinking of this is the equivalent of a movie that was poorly done, and the feedback, you know, from the producers, directors was that 
our script was bad. The acting was terrible. We got to reboot it. And the solution was to make that movie a Michael Bay movie instead. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, let's add a bunch of special effects, entertaining scenes. And there are good Michael Bay movies. It can work. But when you're relying <laughs> too much on the Michael Bay action element and it's a terrible movie, it just makes something terrible even worse. Well, and what they're changing, dude. Like if, if I'm running a restaurant and we get a shit burger review, you know, the a food uh, connoisseur comes in and they said the food sucks. And then we're having a brainstorm. <laughs> and all right, we got to switch this. And my idea is like, you know what we have to change? The plates. Like, don't worry about the food. Food's fine. But make the plates glow. Like, no, that's not. What are you talking about? Like, that's, <laughs> the complaint isn't about the plates, dude. It's the food. It's the food that sucks ass. Yeah, I agree. I think they're changing the wrong thing. To, to look at the feedback and say we should make the, the court a giant TV screen seems to miss the mark. I'm curious to see how it feels to run on that and play on that surface. Like no matter how close you can get it, if it's an LED screen, it's not going to feel like wood. I'm sure the players are going to say, oh, and Joe Dumar has already said it's it, it was factored in and it's it felt so close that we were that's why we approved it. But it's impossible to get an LED screen to feel like a wood court. Your TV isn't made out of wood. Weird, dude. Because yeah, <laughs> I have a giant wooden screen here at home, so I'm sure that's not gonna be a problem. After all this shit talking, I am positive Saturday I'm gonna be high out of my mind, really excited about the court. Like it built, like someone's gonna hit a three, you know, and it'll be like some rock and jock explosion on the court. I'm like, oh, hooray! Like I'll like rewind it hella time. So where's SpongeBob? I'll be hell excited. It is what it is, dude. Like, you know, I'm, I like talking shit, and then we'll immediately fold into it. Unfortunately, and when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The other huge addition was written about by Mark, um, and it's gotten a whole bunch of attention. It's the three-point competition between Steph and Sabrina. Um, Mark, I'll turn this to you. So you just wrote an article. You actually talked to Steph's trainer, Brandon Payne. What what'd you learn? What is this? Well, what I, what I learned was Brandon Payne found it hilarious that there was mixed of uh, reactions from Steph's teammates on who would win the competition you know <laughs> so I, I think Clay was saying that Sabrina's gonna win Draymond went with Steph uh so I asked him like who are you going with and he he laughed at the question he's like I'm gonna go you know uh my heart brain and bank accounts gonna go with Steph uh because obviously he's his trainer but I, I followed up and said you know all things considered like where does Steph have the edge and he thought the fact that he's won the three-point contest before in 2015 and 21 can make a difference. But he even conceded if Sabrina wins, he's not going to be surprised at all 
And you would think like WTF, Steph Curry is the best shooter of all time. How could there be any possibility that he would lose a three-point contest? But Sabrina is that good? And three-point contests always have a weird life of its own. On one hand, Brandon Payne was telling me that the way Steph Curry works with him and on his own, it's very conducive to three-point contests, not just because that's what he does, but the way he trains, it's always with uh, you know drills where he has to be cognizant of the clock and he always, sure. only has a finite amount of time. And also he's moving at game speed. But he even said something as sounds as minutia of taking the ball off the rack. That's something that players even of Steph's caliber aren't used to doing. And so that's a new nuance that both players will have to adjust to. And I think not only because of the names, but because it's new and there's, um, you know, some real cool dynamics of Steph Curry being a great shooter, Sabrina being a great shooter and what it can mean for just women's basketball and the NBA supporting the W. This is an event that's going to be fun to watch regardless of who wins or not. But I think that's more of the rare exception than the rule with how things have played out historically uh, as of late at All-Star Weekend. I'm so impressed that Steph is willing to do this. I'm so impressed. Um, we give people like LeBron or Zion or all these other guys who probably should be in the dunk contest infinite shit because they're not willing to take the risk. You know, and I understand it. I would be like that. You know, LeBron has no benefit of winning the dunk contest. So why enter it? Because he might lose. And it's all just downside. Well, you could sure as shit say the same about Steph. And he's not only participating. This isn't even the three-point contest. He's he's playing a WNBA player. He is he is doing this for the good of a league that isn't even his, which I think deserves all the credit on earth. And here's a quote from him that uh that drew my attention. Quote, I think a lot of people were either on one side or the other in their reactions. This is the dopest thing in the world. It's the first of its kind. It'll be something that changed the narrative on what it looks like. But then there's also the camp that was like, oh, you got a lot on the line. You really want to take on that challenge? What if you lose? And there's a lot of fear attached to it, really, in a certain sense. So I wanted to negate both of those. However it plays out is what sports is about. It's just competing, whatever the format is. You know, and that's that's not a quote, for example, we've seen from LeBron. Um, you know, he is willing to just kind of let the chips land where they may. MT, would you do this? Would you take this chance? You know, there, there's, I, I mean, jokes aside, uh, this would be a nightmare for me. I would hope that nobody brought it up because if they did it publicly, it'd be really hard to say no, you know? And so I'd, I wouldn't want the challenge to get out there. I just, I would much prefer not have to deal with this and just support the WNBA from afar. For you, would you do it? If I was in Steph's position with his legacy, I would. I, I, I think him losing this doesn't impact his legacy as the greatest shooter of all time. Like it does impact, you know, there's only downside for LeBron, like you were saying, if he loses a dunk contest. But, you know, Steph losing this doesn't say anything. It just kind of promotes, um, you know, his... He's already on record and um, has a lot of investments going to support women's basketball and girls basketball. So, you know, this is just a win-win all around for him. It's it's aligned with what his mission is and kind of what he does off the court. So um, <clears throat> I don't think so. I think I would feel secure in my legacy. I, I own the three-point contest. Everybody agrees I'm the best shooter 
that's ever picked up a basketball. And now I'm in the conversation with people like Shaq saying I'm the GOAT. So I don't think a three-point contest would make me shy away from that. It reminds me, remember maybe like 10 years ago, they did the half court thing with Steph. And it was at the time where Steph was hitting all those half court shots at the end of quarters. And so they had an all-star game where he came in and he took like 10 half court shots with the idea of he made one, somebody would win. So I don't remember what the hell it was. And he didn't make any of them. He, he went over, but he was willing to go out there and chant something for the betterment of the league. Uh, yeah. Mark, would you do this? Well, that's a weird hypothetical to way because I am not this remotely close to any sort of caliber of being a good three-point shooter. But if I were in Steph Curry's shoes, yeah, I would do it. Um, because one, I think if I'm Steph Curry, I, I, I think I have a chance to win. Um, apparently, he suggested that he already played Sabrina and Horace and lost. So he wants to rectify that a little bit. As MT alluded to, you know, he has, you know, through his camp been supporting women's basketball in the AAU circuit. So that's very much in line. And I think the fourth part is that, you know, because of all the elements that we talked about, I think that he wants to also provide validity that, you know, just because a male player is playing against a women's player, like you don't change your approach. Like the ultimate form of respect is like, Sabrina's a really good athlete and she's a legit shooter. Like you're going to compete head to head as if she were an NBA player. And I think that he wants to provide validity to that because there's sometimes the element of backhanded compliments or an underhanded submissive tone that, you know, if a woman's a woman's player is going to play up against the men, like they're, you know, going to take it easy on them. And no, that's not what it's about. Uh, th these, <laughs> this competition is based on skill and skill alone. And as Sabrina and a lot of other WNBA players have shown, like they have a lot of skills. There's a reason why they're professional women's basketball players. And so I think through that lens, if I were Steph Curry, I would do that. But if I'm Mark Medina, which I am, I would say a hard no because I would I'd probably either airball or brick every shot and lose in embarrassing fashion. You challenge her to a charge-taking contest. Yes. Just yes. Dominate, Mark, undoubtedly. Uh, good news, boys. This segment has been sponsored by Bram's Bank Account. We're going to be dropping four predictions. Whoever gets the most predictions right next time I see you, drinks on me. Here's our first prediction. Who wins between Sabrina and Steph? Who comes out on top? I'll go first. Steph. Uh, you don't have to give us a number if you don't want, but I, I think Steph wins, but I think it's a lot closer than we think. I think they're taking 27 shots, I'll say, and there's money balls. I'll say Steph ends up with uh, 22. Yeah, I'm with you, Bram. I think it's going to be close. I think Steph's going to win. Um, you know, I think part of it is that horse loss that he he had. There's some fuel for motivation. In fact, he, he won two other three-point contests, but it's going to come down, I think, to the final rack here. Did they confirm if Sabrina's shooting from which three-point line, WNBA or NBA? Yeah, it's all WNBA, including WNBA balls. Okay. Then I'm going Sabrina. Steph's shooting with WNBA balls? No, no, no. Sabrina is shooting on the WNBA three line with WNBA balls. Steph is shooting on the NBA line with NBA balls. Yeah. 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 I'm going Sabrina. Maxime? Wow. Steph. All right. Before we go to our next three predictions, um, what would you boys add? If 
the NBA gave you a call. Adam Silver randomly hit you up right now and was like, look, they don't like the LED screen thing. It's just changing the plates. Like, it's just, it's just not selling. Do we, need, we need more ideas. What can we do? Do you guys have anything that you'd hand them? I got one thing. Add the street dunkers into the dunk contest. I uh, love that and hold on to that, okay? Because we've got a video I'm going to play. Um, it's a great idea. I got a couple. Um, 21 tournament. I'd love to see them play like maybe Friday night or something like that. Get a get three, four, as many as you know, ten, however many of the stars were willing to actually show up. Have them play twenty one, um, and have some kind of a large uh, prize sponsored by somebody. I'd also like the idea of miking up the spectators more. You know, the in the past, I used to love watching the reactions to the dunk contest. That's shifted now. You see them more in the three-point contest. But whatever it is, I don't care really what's happening on the floor anymore. I want to see what they're saying on the sidelines. I think it would be uh, a hell of an addition. And so I'd be all over that. Anything else? Any other additions before we drop our next prediction here? This is, this is a, you're exactly right, Bram. I think we're never going to convince the players to play a full-out basketball game. That just doesn't make any sense on any level. In fact, I wouldn't want them to do that. But I want to get to know them a little bit. It's like all of these personalities in the same place. It's this hilarious opportunity for worlds to collide. And I think whatever we could get to see more of that, you know, you could do like a... I think it's the Japanese show you guys probably haven't heard of, Terrace House. But it's like the real world, right? Like put them all in the same house and ask them to like... <laughs> make toast or whatever, you know, like they just have to live together. I want to see the behind the scenes stuff. That's what this is about for me. I would watch that. <laughs> I mean, it'd be kind of hard if silver did call you with the whole, the led thing is not working. And you're like, Oh, I want you to follow this Japanese television show. You probably haven't watched, but just make them live together. <laughs> and I think it'll all come together to our second prediction. So we're going to the Taco Bell's skill challenge. Um, this is obviously Saturday night. Before I fast forward to that, quick shout out to Brandon Pajemski. So we're not going to talk about the uh, Rising Stars challenge, but they did have a draft for that. And what I wanted to give him credit for was that Brandon was selected seven in that draft ahead of many people who were drafted before 19 in the real draft, including uh, Jalen Duran, Keegan Murray, Derek Lively, and Scoot Henderson. So our boy Brandon is um, is elevating his stock. But to the Taco Bell skills challenge. So this is that thing where it's three teams that are competing in a timed setting. They got to complete a 35-foot pass. They got to dribble through some pylons, hit a mid-range, and then dribble all the way back and uh, hit a layup or a three, however they want to complete it. And so before I actually give you the contestants, because it's much more loaded than you think it would be, if you could pick anybody, if it was up to you, you could add anybody to this skills challenge. Who would you want to see in it? What players? I would put st I would put it basically any great uh, ball handling point guard in the skills challenge. So, yeah. yeah, I'd put I'd put Steph Curry. I'd put Chris Paul, and I think it's it's three players, right? So, let's see. Put D'Angelo Russell. Those three players. I went random and younger. I went Shay, Ant, and Luca for the top three I would have. Um, and since we just battled a good 40 seconds of completely silent radio, I won't ask Maxime and MT for yours. Instead, <laughs> I'll give you the real contestants. Uh, and it's actually, like I said, it's way better competition than you'd think. So it's the team Pacers, the team Top Picks, and the team All-Stars. 
The team Pacers, because they're playing in Indiana, Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, and Miles Turner. Team top picks, all previous number one picks, Paolo, Ant Edwards, and Victor Wenbanyama. And then team all-stars, Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Young. So they got, you know, a, a fairly solid field here. Um, I think I went first last time, so I won't have the first pick this time. Um, I have an answer, and the answer is the dead silence from earlier. Um, I was trying to think what would make it more interesting, and the league is entertainment, and some of the storylines have really driven viewership and, uh, you know, like inspired us to tune in. So for the skills challenge, I'm going to pair teammates up with drama. So one team will be Draymond, Nurkic, and Jordan Poole. The second <laughs> team will be Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks and LeBron James, and then we'll figure out a third one. But, you know, like lean into the narrative of, of all the craziness that happens throughout a season because that's what tunes in, you know, like uh, we tuned in to kind of see, to hope Draymond was suspended, but we wanted to see Jordan Poole's coming back. What will Draymond do when they play on the floor together? Like, you know, and all eyes are going to be on if, you know, Detroit plays Phoenix again and what happens with Isaiah Stewart and Drew Eubanks or, you know, every time we play Phoenix again, you know, with Nurkic and Draymond. So I think the NBA leans into that instead of, of that. And then last team would be the referees. They've, <laughs> they've, <clears throat> they've taken such a spotlight, like kicking Booker out of the game the other night was just so BS. Um, I feel like they want the attention, so give it to them. Like you asked for it, so cool. So we're going to, you know, like give you more of a spotlight and maybe that's a reverse way to get them to calm down a little bit and not make it all about them. The range of emotions you took me through during that answer is almost impossible to describe. It started with unbelievable frustration. Out of nowhere, you jumped in. I have an answer to a question we're no longer fucking answering. So that was Can, can I add an all drama team here? Yeah. Oh my God. No, no, no. Everybody settle <laughs> down. At least let me get through my heart attack before we just go back down a yet another rabbit hole. Mark then I actually it. liked the answer, which Mark sucked it. for me. And then you <laughs> lost your way for a while. Just who knows where you're going. And then we ended up back to the refs. So it ended up being good, but I really wanted you to fail there, which was hard for me. Okay, Mark, you got a drama team? Go ahead. And <laughs> if you give me some story about like the uh, uh, interaction you had with Metal World Peace, you know, if you take us even further back in this podcast, I'm leaving, dude. I'm, I'm out of here. You guys can finish this thing without me. No, no, no more Metal World Peace connections here. Uh, but I, I had two teams. I was conflicted which one is, is the better one. The common denominator is Ben Simmons is on it. So we have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Jimmy Butler, basically the former Sixers trio. Wow. Or we have Ben Sim or or we have uh Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons, and Carl Anthony Towns. I love all this. Here, I was gonna try to avoid this. I can't. You guys have given me you give me the runway, so I'll use it. Um, the Nurkic Draymond back and forth that we saw earlier this week drove me goddamn crazy. All right. So look, I, I don't support the Draymond punched him. We've talked about that. We don't have to go back down that, but I think there should be a rule that if you get knocked out on television, if like you literally, if everybody, hundreds of millions of people watch you get hit to the ground and you know, you're, you're rolling and shit on the, on the floor. The next time you share a basketball court with the person who knocked you out, what you're not allowed to do is the too small celebration. Like that, it's a thing. It should be 
in the goddamn basketball rules. Silver needs to put this in like the basketball constitution because that was so ridiculous. And the only other thing I want to say about that back and forth, my favorite moment of the drama between Nurkic and Draymond in that last game wasn't actually anything the two of them did. The first time they go nose to nose, Clay comes out of left field and just slaps the ball out of Nurkic's hand, <laughs> which was such a little brother ass shit to do. It was like, oh, you you want that ball? Too bad because it's way over there. Like you're gonna have to walk over there to get it, which made me so happy. I love how quickly the uh, Draymond contrition evaporated as soon as the next <laughs> matchup happened. I don't have a problem with. I mean, look, if you got slugged in the face, you'd want to go back at that guy next matchup. So I don't have a problem with it. But I think to Draymond's credit. Uh, he responded back very quickly uh, once uh, once he poked the bear there. Oh, he won that entirely. Um, I'm just happy MT didn't follow that up with. And so the other team I would put in the drama bracket is, and then whoever it is, pick a winner, boys. Team Pacers, team top picks, team all-stars. Who do you got? So I I think is as excited as we are about Victor Wimbanyama, um, especially from the standpoint of, how skilled he is, it's always in the context of his size. So I'm eliminating the team top picks because I don't think that Victor Wembanyama is actually very valuable here at all. We need the guard end of the spectrum. So it's down to team Pacers versus team All-Stars. Um, and, and again, I really don't understand what the hell is going on with the skills challenge. And I don't know to what extent teamwork matters, but I think the fact that the Pacers are all on the same team, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton is a fantastic um, all-around athlete, and I think it, it's to his benefit that he's playing alongside his teammates. So I'm picking the Pacers, the hometown crowd. I go team all-stars. It's a guard-driven skills challenge, and that's the only team that has two guards on it. So I'm going Scotty Barnes, Tyrese, and Trey. Mark? Yeah, I'm going team Pacers. They got better chemistry. They'll have fans cheering for them. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton, this is going to be part of his legacy. <laughs> going against the home team, I'm going Team All-Stars. Um, which brings us to the three-point contest. We'll get through this one pretty quick, I think. I think this is now, if the dunk contest used to be the jewel of Saturday night, I think it's the three-point contest now, and I think that the field reflects that because they have some pretty big names. It's Malik Beasley, then Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, Lori Markinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Trey Young. Um, MT, why don't you take this one first? I'm going to go Lillard. T. So to defend, right? Because he is the reigning champion. Mark, I'm going Dame as well. Um, yeah, he he he's he has what it takes. And after a somewhat frustrating start to the year with the Bucks turbulence. This will be a good uh, feel-good moment for him. Maxime? He's definitely the wisest choice, and I kind of do want my beer. Um, but I think he's taking a step back, and I don't necessarily think it's just because he's on a new team uh, with Giannis now. Um, and I think more than anything, the player who who needs this the most for their own uh, legacy at this point is Carl Anthony Towns, who was touted as maybe the best three-point shooting big man um, ever at one point and just hasn't totally lived up to his hype. I think he's going to want it the most and wanting it really matters because most of these people don't really care. Cause like we said about LeBron, it doesn't impact the legacy all that much. 
I like the narrative. I've written a narrative. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton, he's going to play very poorly in the skills challenge. Too excited, home crowd, first all-star game, all of that. And then he will settle it down by the end of Saturday night where he will win the three-point contest, which brings us finally to Marcus's suggestion for the dunk contest. So this one, um, I asked you guys earlier who you'd want if you wanted anybody in the skills challenge. But really that question is much more exciting to me for this. So we're going to, we'll explore if you could add a street dunker, would you? If you could add anybody in the NBA right now to the dunk contest, who would you add? I'll just answer this one. Zion. I'd like to add Zion. And I think it's too late for LeBron. Like we would have loved to have seen it. I'm not sure if he's like the go-to dude anymore. Um, so yeah, it, it is Zion for me. Yeah, I think Zion's a great call. I don't think he has the same spring in his legs, but I would have loved to see Aaron Gordon back in it um i think he he gets let off the hook too easily but um dwayne wade essentially ruined the dunk contest when he voted for um whatever his name was from the heat because he played for the heat over aaron gordon when he clearly won and it discouraged gordon from ever competing again like it it messed up the contest so i think dwayne wade should catch a little more heat for that and I'd love to see if Gordon had a little more springs to do some of his dunks because his dunks against Levine and, and back in that day were were pretty incredible. And um, creative. What yeah. what he was doing were things that we had never seen before, which has to be underlined. I also wouldn't mind seeing Kaminga. Who are we missing, Mark? Who would you add here? I'd do Anthony Edwards. Um, I mean, he he's a highlight reel every single game. And... I feel like he could be convinced to do it because he's been one of the young players has, that has criticized the whole load management stuff, and he sure. wants to be an all-82 game player. So I think that he could be uh, persuaded to participate in this. He's also that guy who has, like, insatiable confidence. You know, he like, he's never done anything, but is already positive that he's the best person at that thing. He's never knitted a sweater, but is positive he's the best sweater knitter ever. I'm surprised he hasn't... Uh, use that confidence to storm the dunk contest. Here's who is actually in it. Mac McClung, our reigning champion. Jacob Toppin, who is the older brother of Obi Toppin. I had no idea that Obi Toppin had a brother, let alone one who was in the dunk contest. Jaime Jaquez Jr. and Jalen Brown, who is our, uh, our lone all-star. I don't care really about that field at all. So instead of asking you who you think will win, let's take... Marcus's question. All right. I just learned this name, Jordan Kilgannon. Jordan Kilgannon is a street dunker, one who came into my life via Shaq's recommendation. Maxime has just pulled up a couple of highlights from Jordan. I don't know if you've ever seen this man. He is doing things I have never seen. Let's go ahead and watch a couple of his dunks here. My God. They call that one the Scorpion dunk. So uh, these are, I mean, it, it turns out that dunking is its own skill set. You might be an incredible dunker, but not good enough to play basketball anywhere, let alone the NBA. So that means there's this whole world of dunkers out there, people who are unbelievable at that skill, but we don't know them because they don't play in the NBA. So taking what Marcus suggested, should we blend these? Should it be a Venn diagram? If, if the NBA's best don't want to show up, then shouldn't we supplement this with people who do? So answer MT's question, Mark. What do you think? Should people like Jordan uh, Kilgannon be in the NBA's dunk contest? 
Um, I'm mixed on it because when I was look, watching those dunks, it reminded me of what Blake Griffin was doing in the 2011 All-Star Weekend, you know, the jumping over the car and all that. I think that there has to be some respect for the fact that this is a professional league and all that, but maybe there's a pathway for him to get there similar to what Mac McClung was doing, like have him come in the G League and all that and work his way up. But I think that if there was a pathway to integrate some of these young, exciting, like, and one type players, maybe that would entice yeah. not the top superstars. Cause again, it's like, I have nothing, I have nothing to gain everything to lose, but maybe some of the young players and the middle tier guys would be enticed to try to show them what's up. Yeah. I like that. Um, all right, give me both a prediction, boys, our final question on who wins this, and if you have one, an idea for a dunk, something new, something that they could do. And I'm springing this on you, so if you don't have the idea, don't worry about it. Um, but I'll go first to give you boys some time to think. Who do I think is going to win? Jalen Brown, principally because he's the best player here and a hell of an athlete. Um, not an incredible in-game dunker. But for some reason, I think he's got something in pocket. So I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to win it. And then here's my idea. So this one is a little outdated now. My idea used to be they should jump over a kneeling Kaepernick. I think it would have <laughs> been an incredible underline "fuck you" to the NFL. And you know, and I think the NBA is is politically savvy enough where they'd be willing to do it. That's a little outdated now. So here's my new idea: coordinate with the LED team. If, if these guys are going to be playing on a gigantic television screen, you know, and the, you can make it like a fucking music video. If, if you know where you're going and what you're going to do, you could really accentuate, um, you know, just the details of it with all the crazy Nickelodeon stuff that I imagine that LED team is, uh, is capable of putting together. So that's my idea. The other one would be jumping over the owner, you know, bring out Lacob or Bomber or somebody like that. And, you know, incorporate them because we haven't seen them out on the floor. So that's my call. Whoever wants to go second, it's all you. All right, I'll go next. I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna give a shout out to Jaime Hawkins Jr. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of extra size, I think. Um, I just I have a feeling he's going to win it. Uh, he's got a lot of, of support. Um, but the, the idea that I wanted to toss out, this might sound a little bit crazy, and I don't think that it would need – it shouldn't be hyped up too much, but just pad the rim. Maybe even like, right. Cause here we're not talking, we don't care about if it alters the shot or whatever, right? This is hand or arm in contact with the rim. And we've heard players over and over again say it just, it fucking hurts. So guys, I, we talked about this last year with the dunk contest that it's really fun to see guards because they're the ones that do the crazy athletic stuff. When you see the height difference between them and the rim, but that's also because the more powerful players in the league are probably holding it back if they're willing to do it at all. We want to see powerful dunks, like shit, like maybe like trigger the backboard, allow it to shatter if you like get above a certain force, right? Like just really lean into the dunk the whole time. If you're allowing people who are physically dominant the um, the cushion, literally, to be able to do emphatic dunks, I think you're going to see more exciting, interesting things. We don't need the hoop to be the same hoop that they play on. Like this is our, if we're driving a car onto the court, that doesn't happen in a game. So if we're already altering the environment that players are playing in, let's just make it comfortable so that we can see the most unbelievable stuff as they're going to the hoop. 
love the idea of ringing the backboard to explode. They should do that for like the three point contest. Just periodically have the backboard explode for no reason as they're, uh, or just turn it into an LED screen and then have exploding, uh, lights on that. I'll be like two years away from that. <laughs> I got next. Um, I think Mac McClung defends his crown. Um, I think Toppin is a sleeper. If he can jump anywhere near what his brother can jump, then he'll, he'll be an interesting player in it. Um, and I'd like to see them still add the street dunkers, but maybe instead of the street dunkers just doing their own dunks, like you have the street dunker do a dunk and then Jalen, Mac, Jaime, and Jacob have to duplicate it like horse. It's like huh. a dunk contest horse, essentially. Uh-huh. Not as much as I like your just unbeatable analysis of, I bet you he's a good dunker because his brother can jump. So I'm sure that he is also incredible. Mark finishes out. Now I'm going to go with Jaime Hawkins Jr. I think that he's been the uh, steal of the draft and he's very, uh, a very mature player because he played uh, four years at UCLA and was his ultimate team guy. But I think the bigger part about how it applies to the dunk contest is just, just he's fundamentally sound and he's got a lot of power in him. And so I think that he can have a good combination of not having to rely on gimmicks, rely on his power and athleticism, but I think that he can also tap into his creativity a little bit. Pointless, but fun. Nicely played, boys. Mark, we missed you. Um, I know that we're not alone in that and that people need far more Medina in their life. If I'm right, where do they go? Well, as you alluded to, there's a, a lot of places you can go. So I'll start off on the writing end. It's Sports Kita, Sports Not, Sporting Tribune uh, in Bavada, uh, and then TV end locally in LA, Spectrum Sportsnet, and uh, CBS LA, occasionally FS1, and then on the radio side, Fox Sports Radio. Boom. Uh, you know where to find us. We're on social media sites everywhere. You want to get us an email, tell us we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can send the email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. With that in mind, go Warriors, go all of my picks, uh, go LED screen, and hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.